The journey of asylum seekers to the United States, the process of seeking asylum, and the difficulties of finding one's way through the legal system. These are things that most of us don't know anything about. I'm Lindsay Goldford Gray. And I'm Jenny Guilfoyle, and this is Inadmissible. In this episode of Inadmissible, we're going to be talking about a new movie that brings us inside that asylum process. Filmmakers Ray Soretto and Kelly Scott are the creators of a new documentary called Seeking Asylum. The movie follows a Honduran woman, an asylum seeker named Kenzie. Kenzie made the incredibly hard decision to flee Honduras with her young children after relentless gang threats and violence made it clear that their lives were very much at risk in Honduras. When Ray and Kelly first met Kenzie, she was living in a migrant camp on the U.S.-Mexico border with her children. She was trying to make it to the United States to seek asylum here. Ray is the director. Kelly is the producer of this film. Together, they founded Honeypot Productions, a woman-owned and operated production company that specializes in documentary and nonfiction storytelling. Today, Ray and Kelly join us to talk about their film Seeking Asylum and about what they learned along the way about what it's like to seek asylum in the United States. Ray and Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. So can you tell us a little bit about what your film is about? Yeah, of course. So Seeking Asylum is about a woman named Kenzie and her journey to seek asylum in the United States. We start with her journey in Honduras, where she was fleeing from her home country into the migrant caravan in Tijuana in 2019, where we met her, to where she's now in Los Angeles, where she's seeking asylum with her and her family. And basically, the story follows her and what it's like to be an asylum seeker. So um, from law and policy to finding a lawyer to everyday things, from getting groceries to not having money to pay rent to work permits. Um, so, you know, we really wanted to show what it truly, truly means to seek asylum in this country and have our viewer be able to kind of empathize with that journey. So you spent a lot of time with Kenzie and with her family and filmed a lot and followed her over kind of a long period of time. And so you must have gotten to know a little bit more about the U.S. immigration system and the asylum system. I'm wondering how much you knew about all of that before you started working on this film. You know, we didn't know much about the asylum system when we started this film. Um, you know, my background, I'm a documentary photographer and I work with refugee communities, humanitarian issues, um, UNICEF, all, you know, these big organizations. But when it came to asyl asylum law and policy, you know, I didn't know more than the average American. It's an incredibly complex system. It's incredibly nuanced. And it wasn't until I followed the journey with Kenzie and we were talking to lawyers every day, we were talking to judges. I mean, where we truly understand understood it. And quite honestly, it still changes every single day. So we're constantly getting updates from our team, from our nonprofit organizations that we work with. And we've really learned so much. Given that all of this was new to you, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to make the film? Yeah, well, like I said, my background, I was a documentary photographer. So I was working with these organizations and um, I started working at the migrant caravan in late 2018 when everything, when everything kind of started happening down there. So MPP, Title 42, those came a little bit later. But, you know, there was the, the protest at the at the border and I was down there documenting the whole thing. And I uh, I was down there with UNICEF at one point and, you know, I came to kind of ideate this film because, you know, the rhetoric at the time in the United States was so 
negative. You know, at the time it was rapists and murderers, and that's just not what I was seeing. I was seeing families, I was seeing women and children fleeing from their home countries, fighting for their lives to have a fair chance at basically having a fair day in court, seeking asylum in the United States. It was the reality that was being depicted was so negative to the reality that I was experiencing. So I thought it was incredibly important for this version of the story to be told. And um, Kelly and I actually worked on a project together and I, I told her about this idea and all these women that I had been working with and listening to and hearing their stories. And I told her, I said, I wanna tell this story and I wanna make a film about it because to hear their voices is so different than to just see their faces. So that's kind of how we kind of got into the filmmaking process. I had a background in film, but this was really, you know, a big project. And I was like, you know, it, it was important. Thank you. And I think one of the really powerful things about the film is the way that you really spend a lot of time with Kenzie, with the um, with this asylum seeker, with her family and getting to know her at a, at a very like fine grained level, what it's really like. Uh, for somebody who is first waiting outside the United States in a migrant camp, then makes it into the U.S. and is struggling to make her way through the immigration system here. Can you both tell us about the first time that you met Kenzie and where did you meet her? How did you come to meet her? Yeah, so we met her at one of the migrant shelters in Tijuana. Um, we went down again, as Ray said, she'd been working down there and, you know, had the idea for this film. And, you know, so we went down to go interview a bunch of different women and, you know, see who would be a great fit, uh, you know, to tell their story. And, you know, we probably interviewed 12 or 13 women and, um, you know, obviously fell in love with Kenzie. She's just incredible. But, you know, also she was a person that we felt comfortable telling her story and she felt safe. Uh, she doesn't have any family in Honduras anymore. So, you know, the the threat to her family in home country is is not something that we had to fear where a lot of the other women that we interviewed still had family members where, you know, they didn't feel comfortable showing their faces on camera, um, you know, for fear of repercussion to their other family members. So, you know, that was just really important to us, like safety first. <laughs> and then, you know, as we went on this journey with Kenzie, you know, as Ray said, we didn't know that much about the asylum system. You know, I thought that I did initially as somebody who reads the newspaper and, you know, is informed on immigration issues and things like that. But, you know, as we started going into the details of it, we really learned that we didn't know much. And it was kind of incredible because we were almost going through this process with Kenzie because as we were following her story and she was learning things about the asylum system and, you know, what she couldn't, couldn't do, uh, you know, looking for a lawyer, we're right there with her, you know, trying to find legal representation, you know, trying to figure out when she can start working, all of those things. So it was kind of interesting because a lot of it was happening in real time for us, you know, just by the nature of the way that the story came about, um, we were really kind of digging into it with Kenzie in real time. And it was just, you know, constantly, as Ray said, you know, talking to these um, nonprofit groups and lawyers and you know, going, did you hear this? Can you believe this? Like that this is happening and, you know, new policies were coming out every day because this was during the Trump administration. And yeah, it was just pretty incredible to go through that in real time with her and her family. When you first met Kenzie, that was, she was in Mexico, as you said, in a migrant camp along the border. Did you think she was ever going to make it into the U.S.? No. <laughs> yeah. So again, initially, um, 
we didn't think that she would make it to the U.S., so we thought that the story was going to end um, with her and MPP. We started out with a short because of that. We didn't think we could make a feature because at that time, nobody was really making it, um, you know, from the camps into the States. And, you know, all the other women that we interviewed, they went home. They they didn't make it, which is really, really scary because a lot of their stories were absolutely horrific. And to hear that they were going back to, you know, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, you know, to face these perpetrators um, of really, really horrific crimes was was just so unfortunate to hear. And, you know, Kenzie made it to the States on a fluke, which, you know, you'll see in the film, but she's really had a lucky experience, even though it's been really, really difficult. And it kind of, you know, she was there at the right time in the right place and had um, a really unique circumstance to make it here. Um, but if it weren't for that, really the film or this version of the film wouldn't exist because nobody's really making it here, you know, and still today, you know, we have Title 42, we have the asylum ban coming in. Not many people make it to the States anymore. At the time that, that you were filming, what was making it hard for people to make it into the United States? What did you see and what, what made you think it was going to be hard for Kenzie? Well, it was MPP, you know, nobody, <laughs> you know, it was people were writing their name on a book uh, at the border that a volunteer had decided to keep track of. I, you know, the system was mind boggling. Uh, you know, the government wasn't really dealing with it. And, you know, they were letting in, I think, I don't know, 10 people a day to go get their case heard. All their cases were being turned away. Uh, you know, they had set up those, um, as Sonia Nazario calls them, kangaroo courts on the border, where they were just processing people in batches and, you know, denying their cases. Um, so people really weren't making it here. You know, so again, we, we just didn't think that Kenzie would make it. It just wasn't happening at the time. But then she finally did. But then when she got here, for a while after she got here, she had to navigate the whole immigration system and the immigration court system on her own in a language that she doesn't speak and without a lawyer. And I know that she did eventually get a lawyer at Jewish Family Services, but you know, she had to navigate all of this on her own for quite a while, again, in a language that she doesn't speak without a lawyer. Observing her at the time, do you think there was ever a chance that she was going to get a fair day in court before she found a lawyer? I mean, I think that this is just another one of the many deterrents that, you know, the U.S. government has in place for asylum seekers, where it's by design that they don't have a fair day in court. So they do not have lawyers, they do not have a lot of time, simultaneous translation. Um, in our case, you know, Kenzie signed paperwork. Uh, she didn't know what she was signing. And when we reconnected with her, when we found out she was in Los Angeles, she thought that she had made it. She thought she was in the United States. She thought that she was going to show up at her next court appearance. And I'm using air quotes, but it was actually like, a, you know, she could have been deported with her whole family and not have known what was going on. So I don't think that anybody seeking asylum right now is having a fair day in court. And that's something that we really advocate for with our film and with our nonprofit partners. You know, asylum seekers need representation and they need an unbiased judge. And that's just not what they're getting right now. So I'm going to guess that you probably didn't know a whole lot about the U.S. immigration court system before you delved into making this film. And wondering if you can tell us a little about what you learned and what you observed. Yeah, so the one thing that shocked us the most, I mean, there's many shocking things, but the one thing that really stood out is that uh, immigration judges are not impartial judges. They're a part of the executive branch. 
of the government, which means that they're subject to quotas and deadlines. They're hired and fired by the U.S. Attorney General, and they're basically at the whims of whoever's in office. I think that the immigration court system, and, and after making this film, it's just, it's something that's too political and it needs to be unbiased and unpartial for for people to get a fair day in court. I mean, you know, murderers in the United States get court-appointed lawyers and you have two-year-olds sitting in immigration court, you know, having to plead their case. It's just, it's insanity. And were there any yeah. other things about the, the immigration court system that surprised you at all? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as an American, you have this idea of what court is, that you know, you go in, there's a jury, there's the judge that's supposed to be the, you know, neutral arbiter, and then everybody's got a lawyer. And so, again, to learn that the judges are a part of the Department of Justice, you know, where they're kind of forced in, as Ray said, to whatever political agenda is going on with whatever party, you know, be it Democrat or Republican. And then they're still working for the same branch of government that the prosecutor is working for, <laughs> that's trying to deport the asylum seeker, you know, from the country. And then you have these asylum seekers that don't have legal representation. You know, as you said, they don't speak the language. It's incredibly complex. Even after making this film, I would struggle myself to put together a defense for asylum if I needed to, you know, let alone uh, being somebody who just doesn't understand the system. You know, so I think that just stunned us because, again, I think that that's just such a pillar of American society is that this idea of a fair day in court that, you know, justice will be served, that kind of thing. And, you know, to just hear that this system is completely backwards and, you know, even worse than our criminal defense system was just kind of unbelievable to us. And again, also something that, in our opinion, we think is really a bipartisan issue. You know, I would think if you're a Republican, you wouldn't want, you know, a Democrat coming in that's going to you know, totally loosen the reins on everything and then vice versa, you know, you wouldn't want some Republican that's going to totally shut down asylum. Like it's a court system. It should be able to exist in its own place, you know, and again, be neutral. That's that's the I entire idea of a judge, you know, at least in theory. <laughs> so, so as you were making the film, what did you learn about some of the reasons that people come to the U.S.? To seek asylum? So there's a lot of reasons that people will come to the United States to seek asylum. And I think that it's a lot of that is changing currently, um, given global warming, given pandemics like COVID, things like that, you know, poverty is getting worse in a lot of these countries. But the idea of an asylum seeker is somebody who's fleeing persecution. So that's somebody whose life has been threatened in some way, that you know, decided that they could not live where they live anymore. It was no longer safe. Their life was in danger and they had to get out of there and come to our country. They couldn't go to the neighboring country because everything's the same over there. You've got all the same gangs, all the same perpetrators, you know, the same poverty, all of that stuff is happening in these neighboring countries. So those aren't safe places either. So they come to the U.S. And you know, we have that in our laws that that is legal for people to come seek asylum in the United States. It's really unfortunate that we're trying to get rid of that, you know, with the recent asylum ban, with Title 42, you know, we're just kicking people out into Mexico. I mean, look at what happened just a couple of days ago in Juarez. It's absolutely horrific. There are, I think it's 40 people dead that 
you know, were returned to Mexico and forced to be in terrible conditions and, you know, ended up dying because of that. And that's not, you know, again, the story of them dying in uh, detention, I think, is somewhat unique, but many, many, many people have died because of these policies. And it's not a new thing, but it's just getting worse and worse and worse. When Kenzie was um, in the United States, you you both spent a lot of time with her. Um, after she'd made it into the US, she was going through her court process, but I know you spent a lot of time in the film too, really um, examining what it was like for her as an asylum seeker to try to make her way just in the United States. And can you talk a little bit about what supports and help you saw available to her or not available to her? Yeah, so an asylum seeker doesn't get uh, support from the U.S. government. So, you know, we followed, you know, issues like just getting basic medical attention. And also, I want the listener to understand this was COVID 2020. Things are shut down. Uh, it's difficult to get anything done. And Kenzie arrives in this country, you know, Again, some people were getting stimulus checks from the government. Asylum seekers don't get things like that. They don't, they have to wait for a work permit. Like I think it's a minimum of six months. So when people couldn't even go into work, you know, they come here, they don't have any support. They don't have any medical help. Uh, they didn't have an apartment. So they were looking for an apartment. So that's something that we really tried to highlight in the film is that it just, it doesn't end when they get to the border. It doesn't end because they get a court case. It doesn't end because they have a lawyer. There are still little logistical things that everybody can relate to getting done. And, you know, Kelly was on the phone with a, this dentist for like hours, like five hours or something that trying to navigate this system to help Valeria, Kenzie's daughter, you know, she had like a tooth abscess and we were really trying to help facilitate it. And it's like, we're here speaking English, you know, able to navigate the system. And it was still like hideous. If you could identify one thing from the making of this film that you would want the general public in the United States to know, what would that be? I, for me, it's asylum is legal. So that's the number one thing that I want the person that watches our film to take away from this is asylum is legal and they have a right to come to our border and say, I am here, I, I am, I'm asking for protection and I'm asking for help. And right now that's just not being, it's not being followed, you know, for all of the reasons that we listed, for all of the deterrence from the day that they leave their home country. Again, these are our by design, but asylum is legal and we need to be following those laws. Do you have some thoughts or suggestions on what people can do to get involved if they want to make sure that um, asylum is legal and that we have a more just world for asylum seekers? Yeah, I think, you know, a big thing starts with education within your own community. And, you know, I think we're big proponents of that, of, you know, hey, watch the film. You know, at the end of it, you'll know a lot more about the asylum system. And you know, maybe you've heard a lot of myths that, you know, again, it, it's illegal to ask for asylum or, you know, once people get to the United States, they just get a free pass and, you know, they're here and that's it. That's absolutely not the case. And I think when you're armed with the right information, you can share that with people and, you know, tell your friends, your family, your community, if you believe in asylum, stand up for asylum. Say, this matters to me. This is something that is really important. This is part of what our country was founded on. I think we should keep the system. We we need people to be able to come and ask for asylum. We need refugees here. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. I think that's where things start. 
And then, you know, you can get into activism from there. You know, it's simple as as signing a petition, if that's all you have time for, if you want to volunteer, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do. And you can find that all on our website, seekingasylumfilm.com. We've tried to make it really simple for people. Um, you can go there and there's, you know, a bunch of different options for you, whatever, you know, you're willing to do, uh, whatever works for you, you can, you can find a way to get involved. But I think, you know, the simplest part is just saying to your friends and family and your community, you know, that you care about asylum. And I think, you know, Ray and I have seen that in making this movie. I think there's not a single person that we're friends with now that doesn't know <laughs> about the asylum system. and you know, what it stands for. And, you know, they're all big supporters now. And I think, again, it it's so simple. It just needs more attention. People need to talk about it in a way that's different than, you know, the way that it's being reported in the media, this, you know, crisis, all that stuff. I, it makes it feel that there's nothing that we can do to change it. And that's just not true. We're all able to take the reins and use our voice and our actions. And, and we really believe that we can change the system. So having watched your film myself, I can attest to its power. And it was a, a really moving and I think very informative film. I would highly recommend it to everyone listening and for everyone listening who wants to be able to watch your film with friends, with family, with community. How can people do that? Yeah, so uh, like Kelly said, you can go to our website, seekingasylumfilm.com, and we actually have a section there that's host a screening. So you can go there and you can host a screening within your community. We have a, an incredible group of supporters. So Seeking Asylum is screening all around the United States in local towns. Um, you know, we have a discussion guide that we send to you, and we're also streaming on all the major streaming platforms. So Amazon, uh, Voodoo, iTunes. Google Play. So anywhere that you can rent a film, you know, Seeking Asylum is there. Thank you both so much for being with us. Again, I strongly recommend that listeners uh, watch the film. It's, it's really, really a powerful film. So thank you both so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Inadmissible. We look forward to bringing you more episodes, and we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. To learn more about how to get involved with Vecina's work, visit vecina.org. That's V-E-C-I-N-A dot O-R-G. See you next time.